This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm with David Hughes as always. Dave, how are things, mate? Good, mate. Um... I imagine like you and everybody else who's uh, who's listening and watching today because it, it hasn't been a bad few days, has it? Well, it's funny actually because I uh, we're obviously recording on a Wednesday. I send out the the newsletters on a Wednesday, the Analyze Nanfield newsletter on a Wednesday, and I've just sat down before and I thought I was right. right. Shall I write about the the FA Cup win over Manchester City? Shall I write about the the four nil win over Man United? <laughs> It's just like proper glory day stuff like that. It just doesn't come, doesn't ever come around. You know, it's yeah. just, uh, these are the, the days that you look back on. I said to a mate of mine, I was like, uh, after the City game specifically, I said, you, you this is literally uh, the best possible week. You know, removing the context, but just in terms of opposition, this is the best possible week Liverpool yeah. fans are going to have. You know, you... You couldn't pick three teams, I think, that you'd rather beat in the space of a week. And uh, City, United and, and Everton, which uh, you assume will 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 happen. So it'll be a, a week to remember. Yeah, well, hopefully we're going to benefit from Dave's expert, ex, expert expertise on mm-hmm. uh, of Everton uh, later in the show. We will get to that. Um, but I think we're gonna, <laughs> I think we're going to start with... Touching on the, the FA Cup game, obviously it's a few days have passed now, so I'm not going to stay in it for too long. But obviously it was a very, very different game. Uh, we touched on last week the the areas Liverpool needs to improve. That very much happened. You know, Liverpool certainly improved upon last week's performance. Uh, obviously City rotated a fair bit. And uh, I think we're seeing, mate, to be honest, I think it's now finally coming to light. I think it was overlooked for a few months that Liverpool now arguably have the better squad. Mm, yeah, which seems crazy given the conversations we've had on here uh, in the past. But yeah, City rotated. Um, so, you know, some questionable ones. Certainly thought the goalkeeper one was a strange one. Come back definitely to bite uh, Guardiola on the backside. But yeah, um, yeah City rotated um, and they looked a much depleted side. And we're not saying that with with hindsight, you know. Thought at the time, it seemed quite obvious he didn't look as strong as Liverpool. Um, and then Liverpool started really well, and um, importantly, which you know maybe he haven't done in the past, but uh, importantly got the got the early goals um, to kind of build on on that great start, and it become for uh, certainly in the early stages an almost perfect performance. Yeah, I think the the big difference in this game for me, particularly in terms of when the game was won, which was the first half, City rotated, but the the, the players and the areas in which they rotated massively impacted arguably their biggest strength. So they obviously took out Edison and brought in Zach Steffen. And their left-back was Zinchenko, and one of their centre-backs was Nathan Aki. Now... Those players are fine, but they're not Guardiola level players. Zinchenko a few a few years back was it wasn't even that long ago really. He was touted for a move to Wolves. Nathan Ackley got from Bournemouth. Uh, 
Mm. And uh, you know that's that, that that can happen. Don't get me wrong. Liverpool got the likes of my album from Newcastle and, and Mane from Southampton and things like that. Um, but I think what I'm getting at is Guardiola's biggest strength, arguably, is, is building through the thirds of the pitch from the goalkeeper. You know, the, in the build-up, Guardiola is the master, um, and they're extremely difficult to press. They seem difficult to get the ball off, and if they play through, yeah, you're in trouble. Basically, when you rotate three players out of your back five, let's say, it's going to have a massive impact on your ability to to play through Liverpool's press. And especially when you're goalkeeper. You touched on last week, Dave, that Edison's able to act as the uh, an extra man for mm. City so often. When you've got Zach Steffen in goal, you just can't do that. So as soon, I, I, I don't know what the tactic will have been, really, but I think as, if I was an opposing coach, as soon as I seen, if I was Klopp, as soon as I seen that lineup, specifically Stefan, Aki and Zinchenko at the back, I would have been, right, high press, go. Mm. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think that's. Um, I, I mean, I won't say that they, they purposely just done it for that reason because obviously Jota nearly scored one, didn't he? Where he uh, where he took one off 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 Edison's foot in the uh, in the Premier League meeting. But I, I, I was not surprised at all that Manny Ch- Mane sorry charges that uh, charges that ball down because it's. Uh, he just isn't as as quick as Edison. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a very strange one. I don't like rotation for keepers at all uh, I understand it happens a lot in cup competitions but at this stage when you're coming up against Liverpool you know City's toughest opponent in world football uh, I don't understand why you'd why you'd why you'd change the keeper and bring out someone who is so instrumental to, to how you play uh, as I said come back to bite them great news for Liverpool of course uh, and they you know they definitely exposed it Mane obviously forced the mistake that leads to the decisive goal in the game but yeah, I agree with your wider comments as well. You, there's a lot of rotation in that team, and it's uh, it's notable downgrades as well. You know, there's there's decent players in there, players that could you know perform well. I'd say top eight sides, but at this level, uh, the the level City and Liverpool operating at, you know, the notable downgrades that I think in a game uh, which is going to be settled by small margins like that one was Liverpool. Always had the potential to take advantage, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised that they did. I actually think I know City come back into it, but the scoreline paints a much closer picture. But really, the game was done, wasn't it? Half time, three 0 Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, the game was was over very, very quickly. I thought, um, but I think you know, just regarding that build up stuff, I, it was no coincidence for me that when Guardiola first took charge. Even teams like Burnley and and and, and sides like that were, were pressing City high up the field because they were learning new ways almost, and they had players in the defence like Otamendi and Mangal and uh, Claudio Bravo was a, was a fruitcake at times, really. Um, and on the back of that, that their build-up level was not high to the level that you totally avoid pressing because there's almost no point um which is the case now you know city just don't get pressed in the wrong final third hardly ever now and that's because there's no point really they're going to play through here they're going to cause more danger than than you can create by pressing them but i think in this game it, it was a bit of a throwback towards city under early guardiola uh, when you can't really press them into mistakes in their own defensive third one of the players who did that extremely well was nabi Keita. 
Uh, it was absolute throwback, really, to uh, to the player that he was, I suppose, in the Bundesliga and the player that he's shown at times at Liverpool. But as a as a pressing midfielder, he's such a natural regainer of the ball. Uh, his anticipation's really, really good. He, he seems to know where the ball's going to go, when the ball's going to get released. He will put a foot in at the right time. And just when it comes to initiating those those turnovers in valuable areas and then just kind of feeding Mane and Salah to go and do the rest, I thought he was spot on. And um, When it comes to facing Manchester City, you could argue he's potentially more suited than Henderson when it comes to that sort of thing. Well, yeah, you can. And obviously, that was Klopp's thinking as well. You know, there's there's justification behind it, isn't there, really? Um, Henderson would have obviously been disappointed not to play, but that's like Keita just covers the ground really well and he's really durable, robust. Um, really cliche lines, but it's true. He, he's kind of, every, you know, he was described as a pressing monster, wasn't he, before he came? And we, we haven't seen a lot of it at Liverpool in years gone by, but I must say, I do think if you look at this season as a whole, uh, this has been his best one at Liverpool so far, in my opinion, um, where he's looked most like himself, most like uh, the case that everyone was expecting. Um, I actually haven't had a look at his minutes play, but he's, he's be, he feels as if he's been so much more reliable this year. Um, yeah, I'm just, just getting that up now, actually. Um, yeah. I agree with you, though. I think there was a period not that long ago, really, where we were actually talking about what what you do when it comes to his next contract? You know, you let you let him leave for free. Do you sell him? Do you give him a new deal? Because you just weren't really playing particularly often. Uh, mm. But I think this season now, I think he's kind of established himself as, you know, when you've got the the, the usual midfield trio of Fabinho, Thiago, and Henderson, the next player is comfortably Naby Keita. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liverpool have, a, I think, four proper starters there in terms of the midfielders. And then you've got a few, maybe you could argue, second strings in the likes of Jones, Milner, Elliot, Ox. But I think Naby's closer to the the, the starting three than, than the, the bank of second strings, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually start, He hasn't actually started as many as I thought. Uh, so far this season, he started 10 Premier League games. Obviously, I'm not sure when it comes to Carabao Cup, FA Cup, uh, and Champions League. I'll try and get that in a sec. But in terms of Premier League start, he's on 10. That is still more than last season. He posted 7, and the season before, he posted 9. And in his first season, he posted 16. So he could still reach his best season. I'm not sure if he will, in terms of starts, at least. Mm. But I do think it, it does feel like he's available more often than normal. Yeah, it does, yeah. And he's... Uh... I mean, on your point there about him being, you know, the kind of uh, the best of the non-start midfielders, I think that's right. But what what I've noticed that this this squad's got a lot stronger as well. Is it feels like suddenly uh, Klopp has options where it's not necessarily you know um, we can bring him in and there won't be that much of a drop off. He can start thinking a bit more, you know, in the wider context of that game. So. Um, I thought a little bit at times this season when he's gone with, say, Jota over Firmino because, you know, maybe he thinks Firmino might be a little bit better dropping him for this particular opponent whereas you need the goal threat from Jota against this one. I think City was a good example of him doing what you just pointed to there, um, thinking Case is going to be a little bit better uh, without the ball, a little bit more 
um, imposing, so we can bring him in for this game, and then you can revert back to like a Henderson, uh, you know, a few days later. So I, I just feel like that's that's something that's really key. It's not just about having reserves who can kind of come in when players need a rest. Feels like Klopp's just got a lot of different options now across the pitch in terms of, you know, uh, more so from a kind of football and, and you know tactical point of view. Yeah, across across all tournaments this season, so Champions League, FA Cup, uh, Carabao Cup, and Premier League, Kate has made thirty appearances so far. Um, nineteen of those have been starts. So, you know, it's good stuff. It's 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 enough for me. Um, and I think crucially, when he's played, he's 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 made a difference. He hasn't been a you know a, a negative if you like. He hasn't been a problem. I think he's had one or two of those in the past. Real Madrid and, and um, I think there was another game I can't remember what it was, but I think generally he's he is looking good and he's still only twenty seven and he turned twenty seven sixty nine days ago so still got a few a few games in him um, and I do think on the back of that performance I I'm not sure how much of a thing it is but I do think on the back of that performance if Liverpool were to get in the Champions League final and their opponent were to be Manchester City. I think Keita has, has put a fair claim ahead of Henderson there to play. I don't think he would, just because of the status of the game and Henderson's importance almost as like a, a coach on the pitch in terms of his voice and things like that. But I don't think Keita could have been more convincing than he was in that game against City in terms of his his regaining the ball and things like that. Mm, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting note on that, actually. You know, do you, would you... In, in terms of the context of the game, it's I feel like I've said that a few times already, but it's it, it feels very key on the subject at all. Most it you know would you would it be right not to play Cater who'd potentially be better for that fixture, you know, over the course of ninety minutes, uh, in place of Henderson, who's obviously the captain, but you know, should should football and purposes kinda take take over there? Uh, but it's a very emotional fixture, the Champions League final. It'd be interesting to see how Klopp would approach that one. It'd be a little bit of a conundrum for me. Would you go Cato or Henderson? Yeah, it's a good one. Mm. Um, so Liverpool obviously through to the FA Cup final. We have Chelsea again, uh, which it's not great, but it's I suppose well, I was going to say it could be worse. But we've just had City in the semi, so that's the only way it could have been worse. Mm. Um, but we'll preview that one when it comes to it anyway. That's still a few weeks away, I think. But. Obviously, we had Manchester United on Tuesday night. Serious performance from Liverpool, 4-0. Uh, general thoughts on the game, mate? Um, honestly, it, um, it went exactly as I anticipated it to go. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, yeah, in every possible way. Um, you know, it was... I didn't expect anything from United in the game. I know there's always a thing that you, you expect, um, you know, maybe these more emotional games that... There could be a plot twist, but I just think the form of the pool are in, uh, the form United are in. I could never see how that was going to happen. And um, if anything, I knew that um, that change of shape kind of signaled that they were in trouble because they've, they've reverted from what they at least usually play, tried something new, didn't work for reasons we'll talk about. And yeah, just become a very dominant uh, performance for Liverpool. And let's be honest, it, it could have been more. It could have definitely been more. Yeah, the first half in particular, I thought it was so uncompetitive. It was untrue. Like, a, like it was 
like a training game where the the opposing team were like preparing Liverpool for the final, mm. and as a result, they couldn't they couldn't lay a glove on Liverpool in terms of like actual tackles and things like that. Um, just total lack of competition, and Liverpool obviously exploded it. Manchester United changed shape, as you said. Klopp highlighted that I think post match saying that if you do change shape for a one off game, you're not used to playing that shape. So you can be exploited fairly easily. And um Liverpool did exactly that. Uh I must say United I mean uh, Ten Hag's got a job on there. Yeah, they look at such a broken club, don't they? Um unrecognisable, really, I think a few of the pundits said. Yeah, well even just the I know there was <laughs> unfortunately for you know terrible circumstances Ronaldo wasn't there um they've, they've got injuries I understand that but you look at the starting 11 and it was like wow that's that's just not a United team at all like how how are you still turning to Phil Jones who's been at the club since 2011 you know who's had so many issues how are you still turning to him in such a critical fixture like that you revert into a, what was a back five which I mean I spoke to touch on that briefly you know Back fives against, I get why teams do it to try and solidify the back, the back line. You know, get more bodies in there, maybe protect like a Jones who you know isn't obviously the best. But I think for all that space you give to Liverpool's wing backs, it's just, it's just terrible. And then by the time you are trying to close them down, you're leaving gaps through the middle. Uh, for then, you know, Thiago, we will touch on in a minute, was just phenomenal, just absolutely piercing through. Um, yeah, I didn't get it, but I, I, I guess. It just summarises where they're at as a team. You know, they've got no identity whatsoever, no kind of structure. So they turn up, roll the dice a little bit, um, but with very little hope. Yeah, Phil Jones, as part of a back five at Anfield, uh, his first start in a while, I think. Paul Pogba, still as part of a midfield two. Um, two right backs playing as wing backs. I know they had injuries and stuff like that, don't get me wrong. You had Jesse Lingard on the bench who was leaving, Juan Massa on the bench who was leaving, um, one of whom came on. Pogba was leaving. Yeah, Pogba who started and who was leaving. Uh, so it's just such a mess, honestly. He's did, just... Uh, just on Pogba quickly, did you feel like he just thought, yeah, I've got no interest in trying to stick this one out? Because... <laughs> You know, I could be well off, but there was a part. I mean, I thought he, he's just, he, he's pulled something or felt something and was like, why would I want to stay on? I'm leaving at the end of the season. I'm on Anfield. We're going to get battered. Yeah. <laughs> well, I watched the game with my dad, actually, and I, I did bring that up. I said to him, though, um, I said the, the picture he's painted of himself over the past few years at United just, the nature of his game, what people kind of expect from him now. He kind of subconsciously planted that seed. The, that, 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 that is a thought that crosses your mind when you mm. see him go off the pitch in a tough game with Anfield where you're getting beat. It does cross your mind. It would never cross your mind, for example, with a player like James Milner. You know, or or somebody like that. I'm not sure who. To, give me some other examples. John Terry, someone like that. Yeah, just, um, I mean, it, it, anyone. Yeah, I mean, you could name most. You know, Sadio Mane. Just these players just wouldn't wouldn't see it, would you? Yeah, um, a lot of them. You would just take it face value, but for mm. some reason with Pogba, 
as I said, just because of the, the pitch that he's painted himself oh, since he's came back to England. You just have that element of doubt maybe in your head that is he is he genuine can he genuinely not play on? Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose it's a bit of a sinister thought, you know, it's a bit cynical, isn't it? I don't really want to think like yeah. that. Yeah, and we might be well off, but I I just especially with with how the game was and the circumstances there, I just thought I mean there was a moment where I thought uh Rashford went down there at the end of the first half and I, and he was kind of holding on, it looked a little bit innocuous and I was like is he thinking, oh, should I just stick this one? And to be fair, to his credit, he never he gets back up and it's all right, but uh, he took a knock. Um, and I, I was thinking, is he maybe just thinking, oh, throw the towel in here, you know, I'm not, I don't <laughs> want to stick this one out. But it was just really bad. He looked a little bit better, admittedly, in the second half because um, he reverted to like what I thought they were going to do anyway, you know, a United transition performance of just winning the ball when it's turned over give it to one of the quick players who and it was mainly Sancho. Uh give it to him, let them run at run at the uh, the defence, see if you can catch them off guard and maybe get a couple of shots off. I thought it was funny that the once again found a way to revert back to four two three one. Yeah. Like after what we said last week, it just mm. seems to forever the, the forever trying to get away from it. And well, Ten Hag plays it though, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, Ten Hag plays yeah. a four-two-three-one, so I, uh, <laughs> I think they're just going to be stuck with it again. Yeah, no. To be fair, the formation isn't so much the problem. Um, I think the, I just think the personnel and the balance of the team is wrong. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Ten Hag fixed that. I just think it's quite funny that for years and years, for whole, for the whole of Pogba's time at the club, he has played in the midfield too. Um, yeah. despite the fact that he's not a midfield two player. Uh, but one of the midfielders who did dominate the game. I mean, what can you say? Thiago Alcantara made uh, what a performance. Well, yeah, one of the uh, one of the finest individual performances I can remember watching. Um, it, it, so I, I kind of said this at the time. I, I tweeted it out. Uh, maybe I, I could have elaborated further on it, but it, it felt like the game was so easy for them, or at least he made it look so easy that. At times, it was like he wasn't satisfied unless he was he was taking two or three men out with one pass. Do you know what I mean? Like he, uh, yeah. he, he was capable of, he had two or three options every time on the ball because of the ability he's got. But he, he wanted to always play these penetrating balls, which were just so valuable for Liverpool. Like he was just splitting. United tried to be compact through the, that middle area, but with him there, it was just impossible. You know, he just he just find a way. You know, he 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 can get the ball. You know, you say, he, have you ever heard that term? Um, he can get where water can't. He can get a ball where water can't. He was in that form last night. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. No, he was he was ridiculous. It was comfortably one of the best midfield performances I've ever seen. Uh, from a Liverpool player, uh, one of the best, uh, so well-rounded, ahead of the cave when it comes to decisions, and he was just a step ahead for the whole game. Uh, and in the numbers, you can you can see a lot of it as well. So, despite all the value he offered on the ball in terms of moving the ball forward, no player who started the game completed a higher percentage of their passes. Uh, he he attempted 110, completed 105. 
So that's a 95.5% pass completion, which usually would be a bit of a redundant, meaningless statistic. But when you couple that with the fact that he was so progressive on the ball, you have a serious player. Uh, in terms of progressive passes, he again topped the game, if you like, 13 of them. Liverpool's second best player was on eight. That was Jordan Henderson. Even in terms of dribbles, he attempted three dribbles, completed them all. In terms of progressive carries, you know, we don't associate Thiago necessarily with carrying. He completed 12. The next best was on nine, Luis Diaz. So he was just across the board. He was um, just complete, proper total midfield performance. And this, this is exactly what I kind of expected from him. Like, this is exactly why I've placed so much importance on him throughout the season as Liverpool's not most important player, but just a player who I, who I am desperate to play in big games for that exact reason, because he's just... Despite the players that were on the pitch, right? you've got Van Dijk on the pitch, you've got Mo Salah on the pitch, Luis Diaz, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba for a short period, um, Fabinho, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Thiago looked a different level to Oldham. Thiago looked on his own. Uh, and that's that's difficult to do when you're surrounded by fellow elite players. Mm, yeah, I, I I did it this morning have a look because I was curious to see uh, if the underlying numbers kind of ma- married up with with what we watched because that doesn't always happen, does it? Sometimes you know you think you see something fantastic and and the numbers don't really capture it. But yeah, the minute I saw that he had the most progressive carries, the most progressive passes, and most dribbles on the night, I was like. You know, there you go. It's in black and white for you right there. Um, even if you didn't watch the game, you know that's a phenomenal performance in those numbers alone. But he was, he was, he was fantastic. And now it's just that double-edged sword now for Liverpool, isn't it? You know, we talked for so long about the threat of the wing backs. Uh, it was all about trying to stop them. Uh, the biggest problem op- opponents had uh, was was basically trying to stop both of them because Liverpool could switch from one to the other. And that was the big headache. But now you throw in there that they've got such a penetrative midfielder who can kind of forget balls, eye the needle stuff. Then, you know, how do you defend against it? If someone said to me now, come up with a game plan to, to start Liverpool, I just don't know what I'd say. You know, I don't know what, what it would be. It'd be really, really tough to come up with one. And, um, okay, you know, the, the very elite managers are have such a better footballing brain than than I do, but I I, I know for a fact they, they they must have those uh issues every single week. Yeah, well and, and Thiago was a massive reason behind that. You know, Liverpool were relatively predictable for a period in terms of you knew that the progression was going to come from Trenzo or Robertson, really. Thiago and off was that from the middle of the park and Liverpool didn't didn't have that previously. Just a little bit more on, on his numbers. He also placed top for Liverpool for pressures. And he placed top for Liverpool for tackles and interceptions. Uh, which again, I mean, we haven't even mentioned his, his defensive contributions during the game. I thought his defensive work was great. Just again, in terms of his ability to read passes, read where the ball is going to go and just intercept. Um is is his willingness to put a foot in? I thought it was, you know, he's like he's like five six, <laughs> uh, and he and he's putting himself about like a you know like a proper dog, um, 
but he's such a complete midfielder. Mm, yeah, he's a uh, shame. I think that he'll uh, obviously be all right for a little while, but it's a shame he's not five years younger, isn't it? Because he could just kind of dominate that midfield for, well, like he did, you know, for, for Bayern. You know, he could do, do that for many years to come. I'm sure he still will to an extent, but uh, yeah, five years younger, it would have been, you know, it could have built, built your whole midfield around him. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, special player, and it looks like he's approaching good form at the at the best point of the season. Really, he played really well against City in the FA Cup game. I think he played pretty well against Benfica, even right, and obviously dominated this game on his own. And Liverpool are going into a point now where it's kind of a final every week, so certainly going to rely on him, and hopefully he stays fit, mm. um, especially for this weekend, Dave, because he has Everton. Um, thoughts on the blues? <laughs> just saw you shake your head there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> no, look, it's um, any. I just don't see how Everton get anything out of the game. I'll be honest. Uh, I, I I look at it and I think you'd expect that they have a little bit more fight at least than United yesterday. Uh, but I, I, I yeah struggle. I think Everton right now are just haven't really got uh, an, an identity in, in terms of just a starting eleven. They're really unsettled. Uh, if I bring up the fixtures now, recent fixtures, you'll you'll see that the uh, the, the setup they have point to a team who aren't necessarily sure of what they're meant to be. Yeah, you know, against United it was a four-one-four-one. Same against Burnley. Then against West Ham it was a four-three-three. Against Palace it was a three-four-three. Uh, Newcastle, it was a 4-2-3-1. Then against Wolves, it was a 5-4-1. Uh, Tottenham, it was a 4-1-4-1 again. So, I had know, no idea. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, obviously, there's there's nothing wrong with adaptations, but you've got to have some kind of uh, key structure or, you know, key pillars to the to the, to the approach. And Everton don't have that at the moment. Not helped by injuries, but not, not an excuse either. They're just... I think they're just trying to stumble away across the finish line, Josh, and, and hopefully stay up. Yeah, one one curious thing attached to the season is the the away record. Um, like, what's what's the story behind that? Because I, I remember when Ancelotti was in charge, I'm pretty sure that became a key strength at, at some point. Um, whereas this season, Everton have let's have a look points per game. Yeah, points per game away from home, Everton on four. Which is bottom of the league. Yeah. Yeah. Norwich have won more points than Everton on the road this year. Uh, yeah. I don't think they've won an away game since uh, 30th of August. We're in April now. So I don't know. I think they're, they're a little bit, uh, it's, it's hard to quantify in numbers, isn't it? But, you know, poor season, maybe a little bit weak uh, in terms of a, uh, a mindset across the team really hard i don't know but there couldn't be a worse fixture for everton to, to go to away from home than, than anfield and historically it's been tough i know everton won there last season but you know he had the benefit of you know minus 40 or that or sorry 50 or thousand of pool fans you know made the task a little bit easier now um yeah it's i, I expect it just be a really difficult afternoon for Everton and quite a comfortable one for Philip Poole. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. This, um, I actually think 
No disrespect towards Everton, but I actually think Klopp might do what he's done in the past and use this game to rest one or two. Um, mm. Because of the status of the game, it kind of takes care of itself, if you know what I mean. Mm. I think in previous yeah. seasons, he's, he's like the rest of the Salah in, in Anfield derbies, um, purely because it kind of plays like a league. He tends to just perform a bit better than normal because it's the Merseyside derby and you're at home and stuff. So yeah. I'm not it, sure Liverpool's best team will play. Yeah, on that point, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Like It does feel like it almost, be, because the team maybe gets a few key players come out, it makes those who go in and those who stay in the team find an extra 10-15% because of the occasion, um, which I've always found works in Liverpool's favour. And I, I, that's not even Klopp. That historically, I think that's always worked out quite well. Anfield. I remember Liverpool going down. You know, fifteen years ago, went down to ten men after like eight minutes and and won the game three one. I think it just brings out the best in the in the team. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the schedule, Liverpool have Everton three days later, Villarreal three days later, Newcastle, um, four days later, Villarreal again. Four days later, Spurs. Three days later, Villa. So we're still we're not close enough yet to the end of the season where you can just play everyone forever. You do mm. you still need to to rotate when you can. I think certain players will keep playing. Like Van Dijk, I think maybe has had his last rest of the season, which came against Benfica uh, at home when we had the tie virtually won. Uh, but I think in terms of Liverpool's strongest players like say for example Salah and Thiago and potentially even Trent. Uh maybe the, the, the backups can come in for this game. Um and yet the, the occasion will just take care of itself. Especially considering Everton's away record. Um is there anything in particular that you are concerned about in terms of like a weakness Liverpool to target? Like a, a side, potentially like a flank. Mm, no, not really. I think Liverpool's so well rounded now. I, I, the only obvious one that, uh, and bear in mind, we applaud it. So, you know, it's not like we're jumping on the bandwagon. We were talking about this two years ago, you know, the stuff with the defensive line and, and maybe how you can beat it. I do always think that this, this although it's, it's necessary for how Liverpool play, there is always a small margin that you can exploit. You know, if you just time your run right. Um, have you got pace in the team? I think what Everton have got um, is a little bit of pace with Anthony Gordon, who's you know being a really kind of by their standards a standout star this season. You know, considering his age, they've got Damari uh, Gray as well, who's who's got a, a decent amount of pace behind him. So maybe if you could get if you get them one v one against you know Trent or whatever. Um, not, not because I'm trying to build into that narrative that he's a bad defender. You know, not open that Pandora's box. It's just the reality is, you know, at Premier League level, and if you can get any defender one v one, except maybe Van Dijk, if you can get them one v one in transitions, then you, you've always got half a chance as an attacker. Um, so maybe that could be a, a route for Everton to to create a couple chances, but. You know, on the whole, if you look at it you know, in terms of a contest, it's hard to see how else they create many chances um, whilst they look quite vulnerable in many other ways. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting when it comes to Gordon how in, in these situations so often you kind of see um, young potential stars emerge from times of trouble, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Um, like I think Arsenal had a tricky period and Saka emerged. I think a few years back, Liverpool had a tricky period. I think Sterling maybe emerged. Um, I think Rashford potentially emerged at, at United during times of struggle. That's that is one really weird perk attached to y- your club basically <laughs> being bad on the pitch mm. is the old youngster might get a go, and sometimes he proves to be good enough. Yeah, well, he's got um, and obviously this is at home, but that's where Evan have been a little bit more um, recognisable, I guess. The um, he's got something like in his last six Goodison starts, he's got he's contributed to five goals or something, you know, either scoring or assisting. Um, if, if what I would say is, if this was at Goodison, it does feel like even though the, re- the Evan haven't been great there as well, they've been a little bit better. I think they won like five of Lampard's eight home games or something. Um, City come there if you remember a few weeks ago, or might have been about five six weeks ago now, and it was a really tight game where they struggled to break them down and they got away with it a little bit with that penalty shout. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I watched. I watched that game. Yeah, yeah. So I think if it was at Goodison. Uh, maybe you know they could they they have found a way to be a little bit tougher to beat, uh, but I just think going to Anfield just Anfield's like it was uh, at its best a couple of years ago when it was just you know relentless victory after victory after victory and this is the ideal way to cap off what's been a great week. So I just expect it to be an early goal, couple and you know maybe kind of at three or four uh, fairly early on and have the contest done within the hour. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd actually be pretty concerned if it was at Goodison, to be honest, especially considering mm-hmm. what's riding on the game and what Evan could do to, to end it, to disrupt mm-hmm. it. Uh, but the fact it's at Anfield, I do think it's very in Liverpool's favour. I think before we close, um, what are your general thoughts on Lampard now? You know, he's been in charge for, I'm not sure how long it is now. Um, but it feels like January. Yeah, so... Well, bug three or four months or something like that. Mm. Uh, has he been what you'd expected? Worse, better? Any hope for future seasons? So he's uh, he's kind of been what I expected based on what we know. Uh, you know, a little bit. There, there was, I guess, there was. There's a hope in the Everton camp. You know, with a, having that fresh face and uh, a manager who's. Done. He did okay in in part. You know, he did okay in Chelsea. Got them back in the top four, didn't he? Uh, Derby. He obviously secured the playoffs with. Although we we know that maybe that was a little bit fortunate based on what the underlying numbers said. He had issues defensively, and I think what stood out over these uh, couple, first couple of months is naivety in parts. Feels like he. Uh, you can you can almost see how he's played something else in his head, or he's he's formulated a plan, but it's maybe lacked a little bit naivety when you've actually applied that to the team and in, in a specific match. Overall, probably a little bit disappointed. I thought he'd have more of a bounce for the, the at least the first couple of months, and by this stage, Everton would be be safe. You you look at it and you so we're recording on Wednesday. Everton play tonight, so people might be listening or watching after that result. They've got Leicester at home. That's a must win because you you're definitely going to drop points against 
Liverpool, uh, Burnley have got Southampton. So at home, there's every chance they might win there. Not that Southampton are given, but you could potentially by the end of the week if didn't win, if, if don't beat Leicester, could be put in the relegation zone or joint uh, points with Burnley after the defeat at Anfield, which is uh, you know worrying with with six games to go and still some tough games as well, Chelsea. So really hard to say. Uh, I'll, I'll have a question for you. You know, I don't want to. I just don't want to fill the uh, fill everyone's ears with just my views on it. Would um, two scenarios if Everton stay up, would you keep Lampard and see what you can do? Uh, if they go down, would you would you keep Lampard or would you try to do something new? I uh, think two questions, Ali. Yeah, two questions. Yeah, oh, that's a tough one, man. Mm. I, I actually. I really don't know. I don't know on both scenarios because I, st- I still don't know how good Lampard is. But no, I don't... I'll be honest, I, if I had to pick a side, I don't think he's very good, if I'm honest. I think he... Mm. I, I do generally like him as a mm. person type type thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I rate him that highly as a coach. Mm. Um, and I don't think he surrounds himself with really good coaches who can implements his idea almost if you like he's mm. not himself with coaches like Paul Clements who is a very good coach but he's not he's not like a a game coach is he like Linders or someone like that mm. or like Arteta or he, he's kind of like a arm around your shoulder coach isn't he mm. Paul Paul Clements mm. I think as far as I'm aware um, and I think some of, some of Lampard's answers in press conferences and stuff like that just make me think a bit mm, I'm not sure about that one mm. Um so, I wouldn't force it. It depends who else you could get. It depends how you would, okay. how you would do a restart. I'd say okay. So say say he stays up. We'll say that's that's enough for uh, a, a crack next season with a, a transfer window and under less pressure. But if he if he goes down, would you be inclined to be? Because I think as an as the owner, although you don't want to be chopping and changing, a part of me would think. Maybe, maybe we should uh, make the change now. Yeah, I think if you went down, what 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 would you say if if I moved towards Chris Wilder as an option? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Wilder's a, a bad manager at all. Um, I, I can see Evan in mm. him though, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the way, the way, the the, the way, the way uh, just the working class thing, yeah. you know. The, mm. Getting the players commit committed and stuff like that, standards and all that cliche age old you die stuff. <laughs> Look, mate, if you get relegated, you've got no right to be arrogant and tear your nose up at any manager that you know who's operating yeah. Premier League slash Champions League level. Um so I don't know. I always thought, you know, Wilder Daisha thought he might end up getting thrown in the mix. Um I think, you know, I think he'll end up getting the job soon enough. The only thing that might benefit Everton is uh, and I, I'm conscious that I don't want to bore people with just Everton talk, but it's it's you know I guess we we do this with most teams, don't we? We try and talk about them in a bit more detail when Liverpool playing them. Um, the only thing I do think is that Burnley decision to 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 sack Dyche will go one or two ways. They might get a new new manager bounce, even with a caretaker, or they'll just plummet. And yeah, there's every chance it's the latter. Isn't it, I really? wouldn't have done that personally. I wouldn't no, have uh, got rid of him. 
so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Hopefully, Liverpool can contribute to Everton's woes on the weekend. But both teams have got big things to play for in a way. Mm. It's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll keep going, keep moving towards the end of the season, and we'll be back next week. But Dave, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you, mate. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, and we'll be back next week to address the derby, see what Dave thinks about what happened. <laughs> um, but see you then. Thanks for tuning in this week. See you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.